Fuck the Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Fucking. Uh, oh, man, that's so sad. The Iron Sheik uh, died over the, what was it, the weekend or last week? During the. This week. Yeah, this week. It would be last so, week by the time. The episode aired. Yeah, by the time the people hear this. I mean, he was great in real life. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he's the one who coined the term, the word jabroni. Yeah. Or, like, made it mainstream. For the most part. I mean, The Rock is the one who really brought it up, but he got it off the Iron Sheik. Yeah. His hatred for Hulk Hogan is beautiful. That's That was one of my interesting things when I heard he passed away. I was like, who's going to tell Hulk Hogan to fuck off now? I know. His Howard Stern interviews were great, and then him on Twitter was wonderful. Yeah. Because somehow he typed how he talked. Now, do you think that was actually him or it was just somebody? No, it was the Iron Sheik because you could just tell. Oh, fuck the Hulk Hogan. <laughs> like, why? And I, was, I always like the the the. Like, you know. Oh, it's the Hulk Hogan. Fuck the Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Yeah, the Iron the Iron Sheik was just wonderful for that, and uh, I can't say I was a fan, but he was a heel. But it was yeah. also like right before my time, you know. I was like a little kid when they, uh, when him and Hogan were getting it on. So yeah, by the time we already, you know, probably got into the, really watching that stuff, he Attitude already, Era. Yeah, he was already kind of like getting older, and you know, couldn't move as well. Also, for anyone's interested, we're both drinking today. Yeah. Some Boyd Blair craft cocktails. Yep. Uh, because this weekend, which will be two weekends ago when this airs, we were at the Three Rivers Comic Con in Pittsburgh and the Pittsburgh Art Festival and the Pride Festival. Yes. All at the same time. All on Saturday, we were at everything. But as soon as we walked into the convention, because Caleb's a cool guy, just yeah. went walked right and made the line, I guess. I yeah. just walked right up front. I was like, you guys in here? So we were the first ones in that didn't have VIP access. We did kind of just walk up there. Yeah, and within five minutes, we were at an alcohol table <laughs> where this guy served us 15 <laughs> shots of vodka cocktails. <laughs> at least. At not, uh, what, 10 in the morning. <laughs> yeah, and we tried every single one he had on the table. And he just, I didn't think he wanted us to buy them. He was just like, try them, try them. And then. Uh, well, that was just on the first go around. We came back again oh, yeah, later we, for the for, to try the, 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 the second half we didn't try. Yeah, and I bought a bottle of some kind of hibiscus. I think a hibiscus lime, something or other. It's it's tart and it's delicious. Spencer got a whole variety pack. Right. There's like, what, six in there? Yep. And they're good. Yeah. I don't know if you they're, can buy this online. I don't know where you can get this, but Boyd Blair Craft Cocktails is actually delicious. They're uh, all the different kind of, because like, they had like different flavored kind. So I think it's most of the flavored. Yeah. it's a, it's a, They got unique flavors, too. They had the a cold brew one I tried, which was okay. Tastes like just plain cold brew coffee. They had a black tea one. I didn't, I didn't try the cold brew coffee. The coffee. If one. you don't like pl- like black coffee, yeah. You like it. Then there's like blood orange. There, there's a million. That's what, that's the one we're trying now, right? Is the blood orange? Oh uh, yeah, we are drinking the uh, blood orange cranberry and lime, mm. which is good. There's a cranberry pomegranate lime, a brewed black tea and lemon, lavender and lemon, ginger chai tea allspice. And another one I really like because it tastes just like a margarita was rum with cane sugar and lime. The rum one is the only one that is not a vodka cocktail. Yeah. It's a rum cocktail. They could have had a couple. I think they should have had a couple more rum ones. Yeah. Would have been all right. It was an okay convention. I mean, Three Rivers is usually more comic book oriented yeah. versus like, you know, celebrities and panels and all this shit. It wasn't. Not the convention itself in size wasn't as big as I expected, but the fact that we couldn't wander the convention center this year was a little yeah. They had it all blocked off. Usually, the David Lawrence Convention Center, we get a little fatigued. We just take a break and just go wander the convention yeah. center, and there's many couches and stuff all around. You can sit, look at the view of the river. But this year, it taking was all poop, blocked. Taking poops in all the bathrooms. The quiet bathrooms. But this year, it was blocked up probably for that last reason. Yeah. Um, but also, the la- the one time we went was during Picklesburg when they had the pickle convention and like they were playing pickleball pickle yeah. and like they had different conventions going on. So I think that's why I was more open this year. If this was the only convention inside, I got I think four commissions this year. Yeah, I got, I got four as well. All very good. Um, probably should shout out the authors, but I don't have the the names on hand. I know Koa Beam did yeah. a metamorpho for you. Yeah, he did a metamorpho. Which was really good because yeah. when I was looking at that online, like the he had all the lines on the right. one side and the other side was like the little. Like that, how did he do that so fast? Right, he to did, come he, out that detailed. He did it pretty quick. Yeah, he did a metamorpho. Like Thirty minutes. Yeah, he did a metamorpho and a nightwing for me. And the metamorpho, he's like, well, I've never had anybody ask me to do that before, you which to, I liked. You need to start asking more obscure characters like that. I think that's the way to go, or at least have a book of obscure characters. Yeah. 
I've been getting horror commissions. So I got the Babadook, uh, Cthulhu by this one. Or I wish I would have got him. I did get him to do two, actually. I got him to do. I wish I could remember his name. I got him to do Cthulhu and he did The Crow. Yeah. Which came out I, really good. I did like The Crow. The Crow looked really good. Yeah, the Cthulhu came out really good, too. He used like this gold tint to it. It was really cool. And then I got uh, Koa. He did Samara from The Ring. And he didn't like that one, but I thought it came out good. Yeah, just coming I, off the TV and stuff. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, so I was uh very happy because the last like five conventions we've gone to, I haven't been able to get it. Like nobody just does either. They don't do commissions, or it's not the kind of artist that would do horror commissions. Yeah, uh, you get like a lot of superhero stuff, and and even then, I feel like you haven't been getting like the last couple conventions that we went to that you got commissions. I feel like you got like really expensive ones because there wasn't too many artists that were doing them. Yeah, it just wasn't. Yeah, it just wasn't a lot of. It was people who like. We're selling like prints and stuff, or maybe stuff that yeah. they already, you know, original up, but they have already done beforehand. Mm-hmm. Well, for folks who go to conventions and haven't done this, but like to get art commissions, I do recommend getting your own sketchbook. I have these small leather bound ones, which are nice because uh, they're like the, the the ones you get from a craftsman. Mm-hmm. Um, one, it's nice because the paper is a little smaller, so usually they charge less for those. Yeah. Uh, two, the paper's thick, so they can really have the ink bleed into it, and it doesn't like. I mean, you have a backing is what I use. I use just the old comic, uh, like the board, yeah. cut one in the shape of the page, and then I put that as the backing. That way it doesn't bleed through, which they probably do that on regular sketchbooks mm-hmm. anyway. But it really soaks up the colors well. Also, I think it's cool to do that because then you can put it on your shelf, and now you have an art book mm-hmm. versus just having a bunch of, uh, I mean, it's cool to have the, you know, hang them up as posters or whatever, but I also like that you could just have a whole book that someone can flip through. I think that that idea appeals more to me because I don't have a lot of. Uh, I'll get in trouble if I just put a bunch of. Well, that's art that's what that's why I started doing doing the sketchbooks is because I literally was running out of wall space. I probably have close to like twenty commissions like hanging up on my walls. Yeah, you know. Too. So I was just running out of room, and I was just like, "Oh, well, I can do like themed sketchbooks," you know. Yeah, that's really because you have a Stephen King theme one. I think is really cool as well. Did I just drop off? What happened? I don't know. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Look at my my things. I can't. Oh hear yeah, you. you're not. Yeah, you're not up in the yellow no more. Hold on, technical difficulties. We are back. I we desperately need a new mixer because this thing just randomly is short circuiting well, or something. I mean, it's taken us over to like almost like three hundred episodes when you yeah. put all the random word stuff together. Like that's so true, but it's, it's done its time. It has done its time. But just like last episode, our vocals were fine. But like three podcasts before that, we've been we haven't been able to get them as you know. I don't know if the listeners can tell. I'd imagine if you listen like back to back episodes, one where the vocals are low and the where they're high. They probably have to turn the volume up on whatever they're yeah. listening to. Because I could turn the gain up, but even so, I don't want to mess with it too much because uh, I don't want to mess up people's phones. Like, they listen to a podcast that's real low, then the next one's blaring yeah. their head off. Like, that's not, that's cool. I like to keep it, like, level, man. But I think we're okay right now. Keeping it chill. For now, we could keep it chill. But anyway, to round out our uh, little party, we uh, we had a posse. Too, we did like, have a posse. We never have a posse. We had uh, three other guys with yeah. us. We had a posse. We went to a very terrible burger place. Yeah. It wasn't there. I, I didn't like it. I don't, I, we went there last year and I didn't like it. I don't know why <laughs> we went back. Because no one was in there. Right. It was lunchtime. No one was in there, which is the usually the giveaway that's not very good. My it, food was good. It just, I paid $15 for a roast beef sandwich. So that was like the size of my hand. It was very yeah. small. Though, uh, didn't they have a good, like, uh, didn't you get like some, some kind of like margarita or slushy? Kind yeah, of but it was just one of those shitty house margaritas that are in the mixing machine. Like mm-hmm. those are, I mean, they're not made with love. Yeah. But anyway, our posse split up a little bit as the other guys went back to the convention. We went to the Pride Festival, which was right down the road, because um, we, we always go to the art festival. But like, you know, Pride's going on. i got to check this out. Somehow we ended up in the parade for a bit. Yeah. I saw boobies, and apparently you did not. I, admit, I missed the boobies. You missed the nice boobies, which was a shame. But we're walking. There's foam getting sprayed. Uh, and then we had to actually cross the street because we got to the art festival and we end up walking through the art festival, and then we walked, like, you know, we did a big circle. And then the other half of the art festival was across where the parade was. Mm. So we actually had to walk through the parade. And then we did that, and then we uh, very oddly followed the parade across the bridge. This is where we made our mistake last year. We looked for pride, and we couldn't find it. No. We were at the art festival, which was better last year, by the way. But we went to the art festival, and then we're like, oh, is this pride? Like, because we saw, you know, everyone's rainbows and stuff. 
but it, it's not as what it's not you know as hardcore as I because I've been to Pride in the past where it's like really debauchery. Right. Sometimes you're like, whoa, is this legal? Yeah. It's kind of fun. <laughs> we didn't see all that stuff really. You saw a guy on a leash, but that was about yeah. it. Yeah, um, and, and that was like off in the distance. Yeah, that that was a couple a, streets over. Yeah, but last year we walked across the bridge and we looked around. There was nothing. So then we just went back and I think we went to the convention again. And then we found out later that the pride thing was actually across the bridge, like, but you had to go a little farther. So we just missed it. We didn't make that mistake this year. This year we followed the parade and the people and everything went across the bridge, and then everything just dispersed and there was yeah, nothing. Yeah. And we walked around and never found anybody. It just went to normal normalness. No, and then there, but there was a DJ on the end of the bridge, and he was playing that glorious song. I will only recite my favorite lyrics of the song: <laughs> "My coochie pink, my booty hole brown." <laughs> And it was blaring full <laughs> volume. And I was like, oh, man, this is this is the way. But then, again, just like last year, nothing. We looked around, and, like, the people that were behind us, gone. Yeah. The, the big parade in front of us, and then we were gone. Like, everybody just disappeared. Is it real? It can't, is it, it holograms? It's kind of like in an old video game whenever you got to the edge of a level and things just kind of stop and dis- yeah. disappear. You could, and then you just see, like, the background image, but there's actually nothing that yeah. you can explore. Yeah, that's what it kind of, because we went to the Andy Warhol Museum, and there was just nobody around. I was like, what happened? So I went back to the convention and walked around, and that was about the highlight of the day, I guess. But overall, it was a nice day. I had yeah. lots of fun. I spent way too much money. Well, that's what you do with these things. Yeah. And then, uh, I wasn't expected to buy booze at a convention. Right? Never buy booze at a convention, but we did. Well, we did buy the uh, a- absinthe or whatever it the is. The absinthe was not... Man, you sound like you had a bad list. <laughs> the absinthe was a mixing pack, though. It wasn't actually alcohol. You had to buy your own alcohol. And that was a, a, that was a botch. That was something we shouldn't have done. Still never drank that. It's still yeah. sitting over there. Both <laughs> I'm su- bottles. I'm surprised it hasn't eaten through the glass of that skull. Oh, yeah. It, it's It's rough. See, we we should have tried to do some swingling with that guy. See, like if we bought, like if you bought like two bottles, if you could have got like a discount or something. Because it seems like he they probably would have, but I don't need that much <laughs> booze. I have, I don't have enough booze. I don't need any more. Again, I'm not even a fucking vodka drinker, but those were really good. Uh, anyway, we have a show for you. I'm not gonna say that. I'm not even gonna say good. I'm just gonna say we have a show for you. So uh, stick around. This is a long cold open, but we had fun recap. Yeah. I don't know if the recap was fun, but it was a fun event for us. We haven't gotten out of the house in a while. Right. Get off our backs. You are loving the Drunken Pen Writing Podcast. We're about self-love now. Oh, yeah? We have to know our value. So you're not listening. You're loving the Drunken Pen Writing Podcast. Now. I always get in trouble for self-loving. Well, you do it in public. You can't yeah. you, <laughs> you gotta hide out in your own room. On the buses. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I am your host, Caleb James. That sultry voice you just heard belongs to Spencer, the Newark Knuckle Nibbler Church. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. What knuckle are you nibbling? Uh that's a metaphor. That's uh, it doesn't actually mean knuckle like your fist knuckle, uh, uh. or it could I don't know. It's walking around people. Nah, 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 this fucking guy. Nah, 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 nah. Can you imagine that's why you run up just biting your knuckle skin. Nah, 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 nah. That could be like a fast fiction horror story. Mm, that could. I um the knuckle nibbler. Yes. Well, before we get into any of this, uh, whatever we're getting into. <laughs> no, our episode. I f- I found uh. Someone shared what they found to be their most profound excerpts from whatever books they read. So I want to read those because I, I like to read profound things. But before we get there, we kind of have to follow up on last week's opening of 120 Days of Sodom by Marquise de Sade. I feel like I opened it on the seventh day. Something like that. It wasn't far into it. No. So I figure we'll just skip right to the eighth day and see okay. what happens. I'm just going to actually read just the opening paragraph here. Uh, I did not look at this ahead of time, really, so I don't know if this is gross. I'm assuming it is. Yeah. Because the last one we read had to do with a man hermetically sealing his lips to a woman's b-hole, and then she proceeded to blast zephyrs into his mouth, to put it uh, how he put it. Uh, But he also used the word fart a lot. Explosive farts. But then he ended it with zephyr to make it sound like a nice, cool breeze, which is not. It was body temperature breeze (laughs) at least. At best. (laughs) 
No, at best it was hot. <laughs> hot breeze. Why is it so spicy? Oh, God, that French food gets spicy, does it? I don't know. It eats snails and bread. Uh, so the eighth day, my friend Marquise de Sade, the previous day's examples having made a deep impression, no one was found, no one could be found wanting the next day. The lessons continued. They were executed upon the fuckers, and as the day produced no outstanding event until coffee, we will begin our account with that little right. Right off the bat, he, this is... um lessons is he teaching these this lady i'm assuming he's teaching her things of sexual nature grooming grooming is a perfect word spencer because i think this guy was a rapist mm. oh well it said on the back i think he's a rapist <laughs> yeah, i don't think we even had to look into that one too much why are we reading about this guy <laughs> let us continue from 120 days of sodom marquise de sod i have to keep prefacing that because i don't want people to think i have anything to do with the writing of this <laughs> From Caleb's personal journal. From Caleb's <laughs> diary, day four. Okay, so coffee was served by Augustine, Zelmir, Narcissi, and Zephyr. The th now, that's interesting that one of the characters named Zephyr, was she the one that was shooting the Zephyrs or Ooh, blowing the Zephyrs? That or, makes sense. I don't know what verb you use with Zephyr, because Zephyr is the breeze. The th Ooh, this is an interesting combination of words. The thigh fuckeries began again. Thigh fuckeries. Having them pressed together. Scissorin? Is it Scissorin? I hope. Kerval laid hands on Zelmir, the Duke of Augustine, and after having admired and kissed their pretty buttocks, which I truly don't know why, that day possessed a charm, an attraction, a blush of vermilion the friends had not hitherto remarked. <laughs> after I say, our libertines had thoroughly kissed and caressed those exquisite little asses. Farts were, farts were elicited from them. The bishop, who had narcissy, I don't know if I'm saying that name right, who had narcissy in his grip, had already procured himself some. Zephyrs could be heard, this is all one sentence, by the way. Zephyrs could be heard spluttering into Durset's mouth. Why not imitate them? Zelmir succeeded, but Augustine had striven where might and main the duke had threatened her with another Saturday martyrdom, with punishment as severe as what she laid, which she had just suffered the day before. But strains and struggles, menaces and imprecations were all in vain. Nothing emerged from the poor little creature. She was already in tears when a dribblet at length appeared and satisfied the duke, who inhaled the aroma. Oh. And highly pleased with his mark of docility in the pretty child of whom he was so fond. Don't use the word child. <laughs> he camped his enormous engine between her thighs, then withdrew it as he was about to discharge. Uh. And this is all still all one sentence. And totally inundated her two buttocks. Okay, finally a period. Um, I'm not going to finish the rest of that, uh, but there's more buttocks. And I would imagine um, some kind of uh, la crema. You know what, like, makes that almost, like, not good writing, but, like, that, like, somewhat went into it is, like, there's, like, no, like, curse words being used. The thigh fuckeries? Well, I mean, okay, so there's some, but there's not, like, you know, normally whenever you get into, like, gross His thing, hard prick entered yeah, her yeah. ass and, I don't know. It's it's very dirty, but, like, not dirty at the same time. High class dirty. Yeah. Well, this was Victoria-era France. If it was England, this couldn't have been written, but France... Anything goes, Monsieur. Monsieur. So I am cribbing this from Medium.com from an author known as Zachary Mignot. I think I'm saying his name right. This is from May 10th, 2021. So you could go to that website if you actually want to read it. I'm just going to read the excerpts he used. But the title is Six Hard-Hitting Book Passages That Have a Profound Impact on My Life. Now, I don't know this fella, and I'm not going to read the articles, so I'm not going to read why these are profound to him. I'm just going to read them and see if they're profound to us. Because I picked this because I actually read the first one that was on this list. And it just wasn't the first thing that popped up on the on the search read. Number three. So the first one uh, would be the famous um, passage from Dune, which is fear is the mind killer. This is like a mantra, which was one of my favorite uh, mantras. A lot of people actually have this tattooed on them. And a lot of people use this as uh, like self-motivation. So the passage goes as so. I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over me and through me. And when it has gone past, I will turn the inner eye to see its path. Where the fear is gone, there will be nothing. 
only I will remain. See, I haven't read Dune, but I mean, that's a good. That is, well, that's like probably the most famous thing that comes from Dune, um, at least from my reading. So. I do remember hearing the uh, the beginning of like Phil Fear is the is the mind killer. I do remember hearing that before. Well, the great thing about that is it's not about the courageous man or the brave man who lacks fear. It is about someone who has fear and faces it, which means that's what true bravery is. True bravery is facing the fear head on, whereas someone who doesn't have fear and just does shit. Like, if you're an immortal, and yeah, you can save everybody you want, but are you really a hero when there's no... Consequences. We talked about this when we uh, discussed Hancock a long time ago on the podcast. Maybe not that long ago, I don't remember. I remember like the my favorite scene from Hancock, and I'll also use an example from uh, one of the Captain America movies in a second. But in Hancock, you remember like there's the scene where the one officer, detective, whatever, has to remind Hancock's like, uh, and I'm paraphrasing, he's like, "Hey, you're bulletproof. These guys aren't." Yeah. And the cops are out there risking their lives, and that kind of opened Hancock's eyes. Like, oh shit, yeah, that's right. I I can't die, but they can, yeah. and they're still out here doing this shit. That's what a hero is. I use the example from um, can't remember which uh. The first Captain America? Yeah, the with- first one with the old man who stands up. Loki has taken over, and he tells everyone to kneel. I think he's in Germany. And um, everyone kneels, and then there's this really old man who stands up, and he says something along the lines of basically saying something about he's not going to kneel for a man like Loki. And Loki's like, there's no men like me. And he's like, there's always men like you. Yeah. Fully prepared that he's going to die, but he and it, it alludes to the fact that this guy probably was around for either... Hitler, if it exists in the yeah. universe, he exists in the universe, or most likely Red Skull in the Captain America universe. But you know, a tyrant who thinks he's more powerful yeah. than everyone. I thought you were gonna go with the training scene in the first one, whenever the guy throws the grenade. grenade and and everybody runs on it, but Steve Rogers dives on it. Yeah, before he, while he's skinny, once Steve again, no, just I'm gonna die. Yeah. So like, but that's ba- that's what the hero is, though. You you actually face the fear. You uh know that there could be dire consequences and you might not make it. It's easy to do the right thing when, like you said, there's no consequences for you. If you can do the right thing, which is why it's hard to write Superman, but then also you can tell cool stories about Superman can do the right thing and there's no consequences for him, but same with Spider-Man, everyone else. Well, see, I was just going to say, that's what makes Spider-Man so good is that he, like the responsibility and like, because other than, like, yeah, he, Spider-Man can do these amazing things, but he's not as as powerful, for the most part, as a lot of the other superheroes. And he ha- he's, for a long time, has had this mantra of, like, nobody dies on my watch, mm-hmm. no matter what, like, and he's always sacrificing things for him in his personal life or even as, like, a superhero for the greater good. Yeah, like, it's always the greater you know, good. He, you know, he loves his Aunt May dearly, but he's always late going to there and, like, she thinks that he's just fucking around or whatever. Yeah. And it, it makes him feel so bad, but he doesn't, you know, he could obviously be like, well, look, I'm fucking Spider-Man. Cut me some fucking <laughs> slack. Like, right. but no, he, he takes that burden, even though that he knows it's not necessarily fair on him. On YouTube, um, Dorkley had a good bit where it was who was worthy of, uh, whole, you know, picking up Thor's hammer. Yeah. And every, everyone did it, like, uh, <laughs> like everyone that was, even I think Loki ends up doing it and stuff because they break it down how everybody could be worthy. But, like, Hawkeye was worthy because he doesn't have superpowers. Right. And he's still going out there and fighting yeah. the same threats that everyone else is fighting. With a fucking bow and arrow. With a fucking bow and arrow. So it's like, yeah, he is worthy. Uh, next up, what is this from? Ooh, Anne Rand. Mm. The Fountainhead, which I don't know what the Fountainhead is. I I, I know she did Atlas shit. I mean, trust. <laughs> Fucking still pisses me off because that's a great name for a book, but not that book. Like, do a better book. Atlas Shrugged is a cool name. Atlas has the world on his shoulders. Yeah. What happens if he shrugs? Yeah. But you're going to have this fucking shit book that goes along with Did you read that? No. You ask me that every time I rant about it. Oh. I'm never going to read it. Well, it's a, it's a legitimate question. It is a legitimate question, and I should read it before I critique it. I'm just going off others' critiques. which makes me a sheeple. I understand. Get off my back. And Rando, I do have read about her, and she is a... See you next Tuesday. But you see, said Rourke quietly, I have, let's say, 62 years to live. Most of that time will be spent working. I do feel that. I've chosen the work I want to do. If I find no joy in it, then I'm only condemning myself to 60 years of torture. 
And I can find the joy only if I do my work in the best way possible to me. But the best is a matter of standards, and I set my own standards. I inherit nothing. I stand at the end of no tradition. I may, perhaps, stand at the beginning of one. Reading that is, I can see I can see why that's profound, because, you know, for us working wage slaves here, we could say, yeah, I understand what it's like. You work your life away, and you kind of make the best of it. You can take pride in your job, even if you're cleaning actual shit. If you do the best you can, you can at least have self-respect. Others might not respect you, but yeah. you can respect yourself. It's like, hey, I'm a janitor, or I fucking, you know, work at dry cleaners. I, I'm a garbage man. If you do it to the best of your abilities, you at least can respect yourself and you could probably find joy in the small moments. That being said, Anne Rand's stupid philosophy, she's like one of those, yeah, people should work themselves to death and the rich should be rewarded uh, type of people. So yeah. fuck her. You're going to hate me for saying this. Uh, okay. I think it's always important to listen to people even if you know their shit heels, right? Yeah, yeah. Even if they suck, I think it's important to at least listen to what they say because everyone is capable of of having opinions and thoughts that are actually beneficial to you. I saw an Andrew Tate video today that popped up. It wasn't actually his video. It was a podcast, but they just, like, he popped up, like, they're reacting to something he said. I forget what his message was. Something about relationships or something, but it was actually agreeable. It was, like, one of those things about, like, you know, if you're, like, one of these OnlyFans girls and you're fucking a million guys and stuff, are you really expecting, like, some guy's going to fall in love with you and treat you like a queen? Like, you know. But he was, like, going a little more in depth than that. But it's like, oh, I actually do agree with whatever his message was on that video. But a lot of the time, I'm like, fuck that guy. Yeah. Uh, same goes with Anne Rand. She can have, you know, I'm sure even in um, Atlas Shrugged, there's stuff that I might even like. I might even like the book. I don't fucking know. But her philosophy, I find, is uh, pretty hideous. You like know her who, soul. who I've been hit doing that a lot with recently is Jordan Peterson. Jordan Peterson's one of those guys that's infuriating. Because when he started out, I was all about his message. Yeah. Because it was just about, you know... Guys who don't, usually younger guys, but guys who can't find their way in the world, like how to just get your life together pretty much, which is fine. It was until he got like, you know, climate change isn't real, trans people, fuck them. Like just, you know, he went off the rails when he got rich. But uh, even now he still has like, like the men's statistics he brings up about like, you know, men do the most dangerous jobs. Men like this usually goes with some kind of uh, feminist argument uh, where it's like, oh, men suck ass. But he's talking about, like, oh, well, men do the most dangerous do- jobs. The jobs were most likely to die. Men kill themselves the yeah. most. Men fill up the most prisons. Like, things like that. And obviously, that's also looking at one end of the spectrum. Why are most men in prison? Well, a lot of men are in prison because they commit the most violent crimes. Right. You know. Oh, but they do get, you know, there's also, like, marriage is a good one. Who gets fucked the most in a divorce? Men. Man. He's one of those guys that I'm split with where it's like, I like a lot of his messaging and then I hate even more. Yeah. He was on a list I watched of, because I don't know if you've ever seen these videos on YouTube, it's like, no matter what, the fitness followings and uh, Instagram follow, whatever it is, like, somebody always has a tier list, even, like, yeah. fast food. Oh, you know, A tier, B tier, yeah. you know, they just go down, they put all the, whatever it is. Well, one was Philosophers. Okay. And uh, the guy put Jordan Peterson on the very bottom. And I was like, ah, I don't know. But then I started watching, like, more of the bullshit videos, because... The problem with Jordan Peterson videos, you watch a lot of clips and stuff, it's pro-Peterson. Same with Ben Shapiro. Mm-hmm. Like, you'd see a lot of those, like, owning the libs, and it's like, oh, yeah, he looks good in that one clip. Let's hear him on a podcast where he's not censored or this isn't edited, yeah, where right. I just see his actual thoughts, and you're like, oh, fuck that guy. Yeah. He sucks ass. Well, I saw a lot of videos of Jordan Peterson just sucking ass. So. Where they're talking for more than, like, two, more than a minute and a half at a time, yeah. and you're like, oh, wait, I get this all in context now. Like the Jordan Peterson videos, a lot of them where he's just like, eat steak, and then he's just yeah. crying about stuff. I was like, why do you cry so much? You sound like Kermit the Frog. Yeah, I remember one, like, flipping through, I literally, like, I saw one reel of him talking about, like, you know, how men need to be dangerous. Not, they don't have to, but they have to have the ability the to monster, be- that The monster. Yeah. I think they're supposed to be, like, a monster. And then, and like, two reels later was, like, he was crying about, like, how different people came up to him and talked about, like, how, like, he changed their lives and things. Which we went I, down which, the exact same loop, <laughs> like, because i seen the exact same videos in the same order. Which then also just makes me seem that's very self-dranderizing, like, you know, like, he's talking about how people's told him how he's changed other people's lives. Yeah. Like, uh, tune your own horn a little bit. He does that a lot. It's always about the people that he talks about. Like, he could just talk about them coming up to him and, you know, oh, you helped me with this. Like, talk about their lives. But, you know, he always, it's always how he helped yeah. them versus just how, like, what they took away from his messaging. All right, next up, 
I have not heard of this. Mitch Albom, The Magic Strings of Frankie Presto. No, that doesn't sound familiar to me either. Well, let's see. This one may actually have to look a little bit into what the guy has to say about it, because I have not heard of this one. Am I losing my thing again? Are you? I don't know. You know what? Fuck no. it. I don't care if we are anymore. We're halfway there. We're halfway there. You're louder than me. Fuck it. But I'm loud sometimes, and then yeah. I'm not loud. So maybe my mic broke. Maybe I'm not plugged in all the way. <laughs> Explodes <laughs> in my mouth. Somehow my microphone comes in my face. Like, <laughs> oh! <laughs> Gross image. Because it has all these little holes, too. It'd be all... I was just getting the like shake. Like coming through a cheese grater. I was just getting like the shake weight from South Park. <laughs> and then change comes up. Yeah. The By the way, folks, I'm, I'll edit it, most of it out so you won't hear it. But um, the air quality, we're in southwestern Pennsylvania. And from the wildfires in Canada, like it's been fucking me up. Oh, yeah. Like, we, I, like some places I've delivered to during my day job, I actually smell smoke. And it, like it's haz- it's been hazy for to, a week. You have to throw the mask back on sometimes. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. Anyway, let's get on with the Mitch album, The Magic Strings of Frankie Presto. As life goes on, you will join other bands, some through friendship, some through romance, some through neighborhood, school, and army. Maybe you will all dress the same or laugh at your own private vocabulary. Maybe you will flop on couches backstage or share a boardroom table or crowd around a galley inside a ship. But in each band you join, you will play a distinct part and it will affect you as much as you affect it. That reminds me just like off the top of my head of like in your like teenagers to like young adult like 20 years of whenever like it was still acceptable to just like hang out like at your friend's house or your house yeah. or just like you know what I mean just the uh oh we're gonna do is we're just gonna fucking like sit around and like watch movies or you know just like bullshit and hang out like you know yeah. what I mean C- kind of thing I think that um that's kind of about what I take away from that is how you establish your own identity within a group dynamic or yeah. a community. You have different dynamics in your life. So whether it's on a bigger scale, say your community where your neighborhood is, if you most of us don't talk to neighbors anymore, but once upon a time, you know, hey, there's Wild Spencer, the guy who cuts his grass yeah. every Saturday or yells at the kids on his lawn makes really good uh, homemade strawberry wine, shit like that. Then the work is a big one. Where do you stand at work? Are you the lone wolf that doesn't fit in? Are you a team player? Or are you the the chatty Cathy, the gossiper? Like, there's everyone has a role. Are you the hardworking guy that always gets shit on? Most of us feel we are that guy, but not everyone actually is. To to make a reference to what probably most people won't get depending on how old they are, but it's like that episode of a Seinfeld with George, but the world's colliding. Where George's world's <laughs> colliding, yeah. That is weird when your world's colliding. It's almost like when you're a kid and you see one of your teachers outside of school. Yeah. It's like, I can't handle it for some reason. I had a teacher that was, uh, in middle school, I had a teacher that was like, my not my next door, but like the, the house down neighbor. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's always awkward. Uh, this next one is Ray Bradbury, Fahrenheit 451. I have you have you ever got around to reading that? No, I have not. I'm actually currently reading something Wicked This Way Comes, also oh. by Ray Bradbury. I'm not liking it. No, it's written in a weird way. <laughs> it's very poetic, but not in a way I like. I've read some of his short stories. I know he doesn't write like that all the time. I think it's just that book. But everyone must leave something behind when he dies. My grandfather said, "A child, or a book, or a painting, or a house, or a wall built, or a pair of shoes made." Or a garden planted, something your hand touched some way so your soul has somewhere to go when you die. And when people look at that tree or that flower you planted, you're there. It doesn't matter what you do, he said, so long as you change something from the way it was before you touched it into something that's like you after you take your hands away. The difference between the man who just cuts lawns and a real gardener is in the touching, he said. The lawn cutter might just as well not have been there at all. The gardener will be there a lifetime. You know what's interesting about that? Just yesterday, I was watching a video on liminal spaces, and it was making me think, because they started talking about House of Leaves and stuff. Uh, your favorite. Yeah, but what it, uh, it started making me think about the unique situation we're all in being a finite being. Because we don't live forever. No. And we don't actually, in the grand scheme of things, we don't live at all. Not even a blink of an eye. So, like, my house here, that's what I was getting at. As I was sitting in my living room looking at my house, I started looking at the walls and I was thinking, I bought this house. I only had one owner. I think they built the house. They lived here. They were in their 90s when they moved. They had to move in with their uh, children because they just got too old. Yeah. But their whole life was in this house. 
And as you see, you know, just from my decorating and everything, then you painting walls, all yeah. that stuff. It's almost as if they're never here. At There's, all. There were some echoes of them being here. We still have the flowers, the lady plant, they grow every spring. Uh, we got some of the like the different bushes and stuff. I still find little things around the house. I was like, who did this? Yeah. And it was them. But it's just like these little echoes of your life remain for a while. But I was thinking, well, what happens when I'm no longer here? You know, I don't know if I'm going to live in this house for the rest of my life. Probably not. But let's say even if I did, what would it be? A couple years, somebody else buys the house, moves in. Maybe they have kids. They yeah. do their little uh, changes, their little touches on everything. And then it's almost like I never existed. I was never here. My mark on this world is very finite. Yeah. Even if you are Alexander the Great, Caesar, uh, Jesus, you're only here as long as the earth is here mm -hmm. and people are here to know about you. Yeah. One grand disaster that wipes every bit of information from history and the few people remaining who repopulate the world probably won't spread that word. Nope. And then everyone's gone. Which is also a fun theory about that there was ancient civilizations that were way more advanced, maybe even how we were. Yeah. And you wouldn't know because millions of years is a long time. Oh, yeah. If there was millions of years, even just hundreds of thousands of years, the earth and nature take over what we've taken from them. So, Well, there used to be that history show where they would do like, uh, I forget what his name, but they would like, they would take an area and they'd be like, what would happen if like for some reason like, all the humans were, you know, disappeared or whatever. Yeah. And they would just slowly talk about, like, Chicago and just how, you know, after so many years, the plant overgrowth would take over the streets again and buildings would start to fall and all that we kind of stuff. We even saw during the pandemic when no one could go outside how wild animals just started roaming major city streets. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck is going on? This yeah. is weird. They're just looking around. So, that like, that stuff really interests me because it puts in perspective how your life really is because right. we see our little problems in life, you know, whether it's, you know, you got a shitty boss works hard, uh, having a bad relationship, can't get into a relationship, can't pay rent, uh, whatever it is, you know, every inconvenience, even world ending inconveniences for you, you lost a loved one, you lost a child, you got divorced, things like that. You're homeless, you bankrupt, yeah. whatever it is in the grand scheme of things, not only does it not mean anything, but if given enough time and you live long enough, it might not even mean anything to you. Yeah. You know, I've had traumatic events in my life where even 15 years later, just a blip. Yeah. Just like, oh, I, I still have. At that time, you thought that was it. That was the end. That was the biggest thing that ever happened to me. The worst thing, the hardest thing. But now I look back and I was like, that changed me. It definitely changed me. It lingers with me. You still have the memories of that. You have the memory of feeling. There are people that don't get over these events. Oh, and you yeah. see them, their life tailspins from those. A lot of people. I'm I'm one of those people I kind of just look forward or I, I let the past go. I learned a long time ago it's important to let the past go. Even so, given enough time, you know, people that lose limbs, you lose yeah. an arm. But given enough time, you learn to function without that arm to the point where it's like, I don't really remember what it was like having an arm yeah. anymore. And that's just weird that our whole lives are like that. We're just that phantom limb mm. that just, we kind of have this inkling of how things used to be, but like from the 90s when life seemed better yeah, through those rose-colored, those rose-tinted glasses that seemed better, but was it really? Or is it just because that's when we had less stress? We, yeah. have, we were kids. We had yeah, less we responsibility. Yeah, we didn't know what the world was actually like. Yeah. So as if we went back in time to the 90s. As adults now, <laughs> yeah. we're like, oh, this was fucking garbage. <laughs> garbage. I bet the 60s were better. We got to move on so we can finish this. Next up, and I'm sure you've read this one. Uh, 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 Alan Moore, Watchmen, oh. not Jerusalem. Oh. Though I could take some uh, profound excerpts from Jerusalem if I could fucking navigate the book to find <laughs> yeah. them again. Existence is random, has no pattern save what we imagine after staring at it for too long. No meaning save what we choose to impose. This rudderless world is not shaped by vague metaphysical forces. It is not God who kills the children, not fate that butchers them on destiny that feeds them to the dogs. It's us, only us. Streets stank of fire. The void breathed hard on my heart, turning its illusions to ice, shattering them. Was reborn then, free to scrawl own design on this morally blank world. Alan Moore clearly is a man... Not of the cloth. No. Wizard cloth, maybe, man. but not, he's not a, a church-going, God-fearing man. At least not the kind of God most people would right. worship. But I have to agree with that statement because one of the things that bothers me most 
whenever a horrific event happens in the news, whether it's, you know, the earthquake in Haiti, uh, a child getting butchered by some maniac rapist serial killer or anything like that, usually there are a bunch of people that give their thoughts and prayers and something. The shootings are the best one, uh, actually, for this. The ch- yeah, the thoughts and prayers. You get all the fucking bullshit thoughts and prayers, but then it's like you'll see a story... Little girl, like, okay, think of the Rob Elementary shooting. The one girl had to put her classmates' blood on her. Yeah. So she, the guy would think she was dead. Yeah, and then she lived. And I saw so many comments where it was like, oh, God save that little girl. God save that little girl. And I just want to go through the screen and beat that person to fucking death. What do you mean God save that little girl? What about the other little girls? Yeah, the little girl saved herself. Yeah, she saved her fucking self from some maniac. Did God make the maniac go in there and kill the right. other children? No. Then why would he save one girl and not the rest? Like, that shit drives me nuts because you're just clearly picking and choosing here. You're trying to make it sound like God just swooped down and saved somebody's life who did it them fucking selves and shouldn't have been in that situation to begin with, yeah. but... It's like, uh, it, it, like it he's able to. He's off. like he's able to control the one lone survivor, but not able to stop the thing from happening to begin with. Another thing that pisses me off, which is not as bad as that, when I when I see people win awards, especially athletes uh, who just work their fucking balls off to become the best of their sport, and they win the award, and the first thing they do is thank God. Right. I just want to be like, well, you did it though. I forget, uh, and I mean, I think I've heard a couple comedians do this before. You know. The uh, football, the guy scores a touchdown, he points He points up to God, you know, but if he misses the catch, he doesn't point down to the ground. Yeah. <laughs> we need to move on. Well, I think that boils my blood too much. Yeah. That boils my blood too much. I can see it's steamling. Yeah. Oh, come on, guy, really? What, we get skipped, hit to the next page? No, the next excerpt is also Alan Moore's Watchmen. Oh. Okay, this one's shorter, though. Alan Moore boils my blood because he says true things. Oh, yeah. But the world is so full of people, so crowded with these miracles that they become commonplace and we forget. I forget. We gaze continually at the world and it grows dull in our perceptions, yet seen from another's vantage point. As if new, it may still take our breath away. Come, dry your eyes, for you are life, rarer than a quark and unpredictable beyond the dreams of Heisenberg, the clay in which the forces that shape all things leave their fingerprints most clearly. Dry your eyes and let's go home. That's also wonderful. Because that just shows what a miracle life is because it's actually... There's always debate whether life is rare or commonplace in the universe. We really don't know. Statistically, it has to be commonplace because there's so many fucking galaxies. But in our little galaxy, it's rare. And on this planet, the fact that we were able to live how we do, where we do, in what time period is statistically uh, uh, miraculous. Yeah. What even more is when you factor in all the different kind of life yeah, that's on this planet. And what you could have been. You could have been an ant. But no, you're a human. So I was thinking, this was so weird that my thoughts have seemed to be popping up yeah. in this article because I was just thinking the other day about this as well, where, what was it? I was reading an article about, I can't remember what the article was about. It was like some country that had like some beautiful thing going on. I don't know if it was like Iceland, Aurora Borealis, yeah. or... Like fucking, you know, someone that lives in Africa and this beautiful Some reserve. Like nature thing. Let's just say the most beautiful place on earth. Hawaii. We'll just say Hawaii, okay? That's yeah. a simple one. Say you live in Hawaii and everything's beautiful all the time, weather's perfect, but you live there your whole life. You don't even fucking it's notice. Com- it's commonplace. But we go to Hawaii and it's a once in a lifetime dream event. Yeah. Like, oh my God, this is fucking incredible. I can't believe I'm here. This is beautiful pictures, pictures, pictures. I can't stop. Oh, I wish I could live here. Isn't that funny? Because, like, we think about our small town, and we just sit there, ah, fucking sucks. Yeah. But then if you actually go to some place that really sucks, you'd be like, oh, I miss that place. Right, yeah. <laughs> There's people in really shit areas or third world countries that are like, I, as much as we fucking bash on the United States currently, a lot of places, people would be like, if you're living in North Korea, yeah. you'd be like, I wish I could fucking live there. Yeah, right. So it's all about your perception. And I, I do make it a point to try to see the beauty in life every day. You know, no matter what, when I'm working, anywhere I'm at, uh, which I, I post pictures on my Instagram from time to time, you know, I see birds, hawks, like just different things. I always try to focus on that stuff, and that keeps me sane. <laughs> because if you just think about the bleak, everything's concrete and dirt, like, eh, it's no good. Unless you worship dirt god, then yeah. it's good. And why wouldn't you? Uh, oh, that was the last one. Okay. Take anything useful away from that article. Anything profound. 
Just that uh, I think he picked good exturbs, you know. I think they were all... Those are very quality. I was yeah. very surprised that that fella... I was surprised, I was but... thinking there was going to be a lot of, like, you know, just YA or... Yeah. Like, those were all well, quality. I was, I was actually thinking, like, old, like, literature. Or Like, classic things linear. that I wouldn't, you know, that I wouldn't Well, it was even... medium.com is why I was thinking uh, it was going to be more contemporary, but... I, w- I was a little surprised by the two Watchmen at the end. Yeah, back to back. Which... The, when, Makes me actually want to reread that because I forgot yeah. how profu- profound that book is. Well, I was just gonna say, which kind of proves the point of the good of that book is like you just you you read those two things, and I have no idea where those took place in that book. I don't remember at all. That's the thing about like you think of Watchmen and how profound and complex so much like everything in that book is. Now, if you just had that as a one prose novel about twelve hundred, thirteen hundred, <laughs> about thirteen hundred pages. Complete nonsense at times, but there's so many of those. That's why it took me so long to read that because a lot of it, the Jerusalem, a lot of it, I was just like, oh, no, I really need to like read this, you yeah. know, not just like soak you know, it in. Yeah, you got to like go. Like I read, reread a lot of it too. I probably read that novel twice actually mm-hmm. while I was reading it just because a lot of stuff was like, Jesus, that's mm-hmm. good. A lot of it was nonsense too. We'll end on this, Spencer. This is going to be really hard. I'll put you on the spot because okay. uh, if I put myself on the spot, I'm not going to think of anything. All right. Can you think of anything profound? You don't have to actually have the excerpt, but just like something stated or a moment from a book you've read in the last few years that had an effect on you that you would actually like, oh, yeah, like this still lingers with me. I don't know if just like a like just like a excerpt of like I don't know if I can think of just like a like a small portion. I've known that I've read some stuff recently that like at by the time I got to the end, I was like, oh, well, that was like, you know, yeah. Oh, I'm trying to think of some stuff that I've, you know, I know whenever, even though that we were both kind of eh, like, you know, we both liked it. But whenever we read, um, oh, what was that? The last Vonnegut book that we read? Sirens of Titan. Yeah, I do. Like, by the time we were done with it, I did kind of get like a because uh, it's very like, like circular within its like storytelling yeah. and just about. You know, just kind of the, some of the things that it, like, hit on and just, you know, as slowly getting more into Vonnegut's work, just, like, the kind of messaging and, and, and stuff that he he talks about. Right. You know, that, uh, and I guess you could probably, you know, uh, there would probably plenty of stuff in Slaughterhouse-Five, too. Yeah, that, Slaughterhouse-Five, you, definitely. You know what I mean? So, uh, <clears throat> probably something like that. So I'm trying to think because like we read Pinball 1973, but I can't really remember anything that actually like touched me in that because right. it was such a simplistic book. Now Kafka on the Shore or even uh, Wind Up Bird Chronicles, I would say those both affected me deeply. John Steinbeck's East of Eden, there was a lot. There's a lot done. That's one I have to yeah. reread as well. All three of those I have to reread actually because that's one that like, really impacted me. I do want to get into more Steinbeck because I've only read of Mice and Men. Yeah. There's a lot of Steinbeck is just about like the morality of man, like what you, what's right and what is hard, because oftentimes what is right is really difficult yeah. to do, such as killing your mentally, possibly brother. I don't think it was ever established he was actually his brother, but, you know. They were close enough to be brothers. Yeah, so let's just say, for argument's sake, uh, his brother Lenny, who is mentally challenged, he pretty much had to put him down like a dog. Yeah, because, I mean, that is true. Most of the... Most of the time, the right thing and the hard thing are the same thing. Yeah, that's 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 rough. Um, and you, we've all come across that in our lives too, not to the degree of that, but it's just like even like something simple, well, nothing simple in this world. But say you have an old dog and you have to put the dog down. Well, it's like you don't want to put it down too soon, even if it's suffering, because you you know you know selfishness comes into it. You you miss your dog. You don't want your dog to go. You do it more out of yourself. Other than the quality of life for the dog. Yeah, but then at some point you have to put the dog down because that's the right yeah. thing to do. You can't let the dog suffer anymore. And I don't know why we don't do that, people. Like, <laughs> why, I mean, some states, I think you're like Oregon maybe, but it's like why, like if you have bone cancer and you're going to die, like it's just no ifs, ands, or buts, and you want to die peacefully, Yeah. but then you have like Republican assholes out there like, nope, can't do it. you got to suffer until you just, you know, the worst pain of your life for 10 years and then you cry, like yeah. however long it fucking takes and it's like why why can't i just die when i want to die and then it's funny because those same assholes like idolize hemingway like he shot himself in the face like yeah fucking he didn't go out like you know in misery he just shot himself and we got it over with yeah they like the whole uh dr kavokian stuff like yeah it's like i i don't know i was never i never thought that was an affront to god because 
again, why would God want you to suffer? Right. I never, because that's one part of the Bible. Again, we should just read the fucking Bible <laughs> yeah. to really hammer people. But it's like, why, why would God want any being to suffer when he has the control and the power to make you not suffer? It doesn't make sense, does it? Nope. And if it's, it, a lot of people use it as like, well, it's to teach you a lesson. It's to make you hardened. It's to uh, make you a virtuous person. You know, you, it, it shows your character because if you're a bad person and you suffer, well, maybe suffering just makes you the bad person. You ever think of yeah. that? Who usually steals the most? Poor people. Yeah. Not because they're evil, because they have to. Well, I mean, just like, uh, I mean, in real life and in fiction, most of the time the bad guy's a bad guy because of some shit that they went through. Yeah. I just, I don't understand... This whole self-righteous act of everyone is either good or evil, and if you can't handle the problems that come your way, that's because you're just a bad person. Like, oh, why is that drug addict just not kick drugs? Yeah. His life could have been that. I had a harder life than him. I, I never even got on drugs. It's like, well, you're not that person. Yeah. You don't know what they're going through. And just because they're on drugs, maybe they're still, maybe they're doing terrible things, but you don't know what led up to that. Right. And it's not like... They're bad because they got a you know a bad hand at life, and then they just made the wrong decisions. Uh, now, obviously, the things they do are bad, which can make you a bad person. And there's a lot of people who just don't have morals, and they just are bad people. Yeah. But oftentimes, there's something that leads up to that. We all started as babies, you know. Nobody's just fully grown with you know independent thoughts and yeah. ideas, and like we are formed by our environment and the people around us. And what happens to us? It's like, you know, the like racism all the time. It's very rarely we ever see like a racist baby. It's no. something that's taught. It is taught. To end the episode, Spencer, uh, I don't have any profound excerpts I could bring up or anything along those lines from any famous writers that I know of. But I will say this. I think to be a virtuous, moral person is to do right, whether it's difficult or not. And to be a brave person is not to be fearless. It's to face your fear. Mm -hmm. It is to go into the storm instead of run away from the storm, knowing that the storm might take you or you might push through to the other side. So anyway, folks, you could check out Spencer. It's only fans. What was it? The Newark Knuckle Nibbler Church. Talking about morally nibbling knuckles on OnlyFans. All been consent. All consent. Yeah, yeah, I know you started having to fill out those forms because the FBI Mm -hmm. was getting on you. Uh, You can check out my stuff at calebjamesk.com, and you can follow us at DPW Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Podbean, our wonderful host. Yeah. Uh, Give us a like, share, and follow, and all that stuff. We would appreciate it, and we will check you next week with another fine episode. Thank you.